0: Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 286 of Cyclocross Radio. On this episode, we are back in the media pit and we're talking about Val de Soleil, Cyclocross on ice, and everything that went down in that event. Uh, Then I go on a tangent about U23 racing that you'll hate. I don't know, I probably hate it too, but it's good Fodder for the cyclocross cannon. If you're new around here, I'd ask that you go head over to the wide angle podium, wideanglepodium.com. Check out all the other shows we have available on the wide angle podium podcast network. If you're feeling generous, click on that subscribe button, become a member and help support what we're doing here on the wide angle podium. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, feedback at CXHairs.com is the email address. If you want to get in touch with Zach over at the Bulletin, you can email him at Bulletin at gmail.com. And, yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, we got Curse Period coming up. I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk to in, in the coming weeks. But for now, here it is. Uh, episode 286 of Cyclocross Radio. We got Michael and Zach were in the media pit. We're talking about Val de Soleil and we're doing all of it, you know, right now. We are back in the media pit back, back, back to the, to the European scene. It's been a while since we've just talked about Europe. We're talking about, uh, Snow cross. I don't know. What are we calling this thing? Val in Italy, the World Cup. Zach, what?
1: I was going to say it's been snow long since we have uh, <laughs> talked about European cross, so I'm excited uh,
0: that we're covering it here today. Michael, does that hurt you? Does that hurt your <laughs> does soul? Does it hurt my
2: sole? No, I love it. I love it. Val Sole, more like Val Sorry. Uh, sauces are pretty pretty sad and so- sorry after that weekend
0: so we we had uh cyclocross on ice uh, <laughs> second year that they're doing this it seemed like what was there the same amount of so, so last year it was this is a test event to to show that that cyclocross is a winter sport and it can be in the olympics or are we still going with that fiction of a storyline? Is that still out there?
1: Yeah, so actually I want to I want to jump in here. Like I, I was thinking about this and I have a I have a modest proposal that if we're still going to be doing this, you know, we've got all these world cups and whatever. We've got 14 of them and you know, we have the US World Cups earlier in the season. As I sit here in Chicago, we're about to get just hit by like the entire country's going to get hit by this blizzard. But it's going to be particularly bad here in the uh in the Midwest and the Upper Midwest. So my proposal Get rid of the October World Cups. And if you really want to showcase the snow, World Cups in Wisconsin and Minnesota and North Dakota, December, peak winter, it'd be like, hey, Olympic committee, look at here's what we do: snow, cyclocross races. And I think I think you're golden. So that's that's my proposal. If we're still uh living with this fiction that we want to or with this idea that we want uh To do our sport on snow and get in the Olympics—that's my. If we can
2: move Nats to Belgium, we certainly can bring the World Cup over to the States, like right after Nationals. I I like it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's. I agree. Let's get rid of October. It's too hot.
0: Is cross going to the Summer Olympics? I mean, I don't know. Uh, Well, you're you're that's a great segue because here's my counter proposal: move the Midwest World Cups back to their original date. Have them in August. And show the world that cyclocross is actually a summer sport where it belongs. It's, it's not a winter sport. It's just it's this thing like we've, we've decided it's a winter sport because the place that it's most popular now has crappy weather during the winter. And we see like, you know, rain and cold and all of this kind of stuff. But like 99% of cyclocross is raced in really nice weather and and if anything it's a summer sport and and what's going on here is that the UCI has a limited number of cycling events that they are allotted by the uh, Olympics to have in the Summer Olympics, and we th- there's this fight going on, like the kilo disappears because they want to put in BMX or something like that. So there's always this like fight between the all of the the disciplines for what is going to go into the Olympics. So they're trying to game the system here and say, hey, we can get a cycling discipline into the Winter Olympics, and then that will be you know, a, a winter Olympic because winter Olympics, I I think like Moses, when he brought down the tablets, one of them was winter Olympics have to be on snow and ice. That was, uh, (laughs) um, I'm going to get in trouble for that one this week. Uh, and, and, and and so that that's why that has to be. So a couple things here, one winter Olympics don't have to be on snow and ice. We could just make that rule Olympics. Just make that rule. Just change it. Most of the world doesn't have snow and ice. You're just making your winter Olympics for a very, small number of nations. It's it's very um, um, it's, discriminatory. It's selective. They're yeah. gatekeepers to the Winter Olympics. It's discriminatory. So just open that up to everybody that does winter in different ways. And once you do that, you can move traditional winter sports like, say, basketball to where it should be in the Winter Olympics. And then you can move things that are inside, like track cycling, to the Winter Olympics. And then you can take cyclocross and put it where it should be in the summer Olympics, I've solved the Olympics and the UCI's problems. What's next on the agenda? Well, can we I mean,
1: can we also I love this? I was gonna say the same thing. To me, basketball is a winter sport, right? You know, it's cold outside, but it's hot inside the gym. Track cycling too, but can't we just get rid of like one track event? They have like 74 medals that they get to give out. Well, and what are they gonna do when when Zwift becomes an Olympic sport? Like clearly done in in the basement, you know, on your trainer in the middle of the winter. But no snow. So what are what are they going to do? I, I, how are they going to solve that one? Maybe they'll make a, a Watopia course with a bunch of snow and ice. Well, on that's it. it like,
0: virtually, you got your snow, so you're good to go. Like, so okay, I think okay. I think you've just made the best argument for which cycling event can be a winter sport. And it's uh, it's um uh, real bike racing on fake bikes.
2: Let's talk about cyclocross on snow, whether or not it's gonna be Olympics or not. Just just the idea of racing cross in the snow. I, Zach, I guess you guys just do that a lot, but it feels like it's a pretty rare occurrence uh, for most pro cyclocross racers. What do you guys think about about watching it? I mean, do you, do you think it deserves, should it be on snow? Should there be on a, should we be watching them race on powder and ice? Is this cyclocross? I mean, sure, I uh, right? Like cyclocross conditions
1: are the conditions in which you are racing cyclocross. And I, I think it adds a different, I don't know. It adds a, a little bit of a different flavor. And I think that it kind of shows the ability to adapt because not everyone gets to practice on snow and it, it reacts differently. It's You can kind of convince yourself that it's kind of like sand, but it's not really. It's kind of like mud, but not really. unfortunately this year's track it sounds like it just got tamped down a lot more and with weather happened the weather but last year was pretty fluffy and it wasn't as like dangerous i mean i think you do run the risk i know there was the argument made that the most dangerous thing you can do on a bike is transition onto uh pavement or cobbles while with mud on your tire but i still maintain and i think that this weekend kind of shows that uh dude ice is worse i'm telling you Ice is worse. You don't want to ride on ice. Um, but we're on that subject. I had a question. Uh, they were talking a lot, of, a little bit about Sven back in the day. Can you ride studded tires in cyclocross? No.
0: But I just to go back to that. I, I I agree, Zach, that we should have it. What do I think of it? I think it's the stupidest thing out there, and I love it. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not have it. It's, it's, uh, you know, there's there are people who were saying similar things and you know then you get the people fighting back going well you want to have it on all different surfaces and like yeah i agree i don't really want to see a winter league of cyclocross i think that would kind of be boring if you couldn't have like studs on your tire there was a uh Dugast had this ad i don't know if it's still on youtube uh from five six probably longer than that years ago and i think it was sven out there with his studded Dugast on like an ice rink or on like a A lake that was frozen over and just like ripping around there and you know cornering and all this kind of super cool. So those tires are out there. Do you make a do you make a rule exception? Heck yeah, let's do it. You know, I mean, if we can live with um, uh, those uh, death blades on our brakes, then you know we can live with uh, some uh, studded studded tires.
1: I mean, I like it. I like the I, I like the idea of just like you know with that race coming up, like a run on on studded tires and who knows if they even really sell them very much in like belgium because they don't really get much snow so i want them you know going to switzerland or something or they're like going to luxembourg or some other country and they're like we gotta we gotta get a whole we gotta get a whole stock of studded tires and it's a whole thing like of which team is able to order a whole stock of them and then maybe the americans roll in and they're like well we got them it's winter we we do we bike on snow here and yeah we got fat tires advantage.
0: So you just yeah you take take away the thirty three millimeter oh also here's here's something so do that just make these winter b- bikes have like even have it mountain bikes have mountain bikes have like big fat tires with studs on them make it short track short track winter cycling boom put it in the Olympics get cyclocross over to the summer make it downhill too
2: like the uh, downhills free snowboarding thing they do in the park. I mean, that's what last year, that's what um, our man Don was doing. He was riding. That's the thing. Like, so last year, the conditions were different. It was a softer snow. It was, uh, it hadn't frozen, it hadn't melted and frozen. It wasn't harder. And so it seemed like a more forgiving surface to race your bike on. But this week, I guess, my sort of question was because of how icy and hard it was. And we saw both Femme and Ellie go down. and literally get carted off the course and i guess my question is like is it a bit too dangerous you have that element where it can freeze and becomes ice and then like is it rideable and is that something that riders should be going on um i don't know i just as a fan
0: i liked watching it as a rider i don't know and you left out the third the third part of that equation you know cyclocross theories have to come in threes uh was it too dangerous you didn't you didn't even talk about and Matthew, and how he was scared to oh, ride yeah, well, because we'll, it was too dangerous we'll get there he yeah yeah apparently he was
2: scared yeah i mean well, there's a lot of things that happened in this this race that i want to talk about so any other thoughts on snow yeah but Oh, I
1: was going to say, well, I, it just seems like this is a thing that keeps coming up with Italy. Because you remember the famous uh, Fuji World Cup that we probably, including Tone Arts, all want to forget. But you know that was like straight up dangerous and they still raced the race. I mean, the only time that I can remember a, a World Cup getting canceled is when Coke Sida got canceled because there were like 78 million mile an hour wins or whatever. Um, so it seems like there's a really high bar. Uh, to cancel these events, but you know, to your point, Michael, I think you're kind of kind of right, or are you are right that you're doing a race on snow? There's a good chance that it's going to be really dangerous conditions. You know, you you're putting on this event going into it knowing that there's a good chance that you're going to have these really dangerous conditions, and that there could be an argument to like cancel cancel the race, right? Like when it just when the thing at Coke side, like you, I mean, you could expect that, but it's like not super expected
0: it's it's kind of funny in retrospect all of the uh flack especially if you look on the comments of of the off camber from nationals video i put up there where people are like they should have changed that and they're just putting american cyclocross in a bad light because they're making the best riders (laughs) out there look foolish and all this kind of nonsense and then then you look at something like this and you're like yeah it's not even close not even close to the same conditions
2: Yeah, should we talk about some racing? Let's let's talk about the biggest story of the women's race. Bill, block or charge, Monabacher, Sylvia Persico. Right, that's the biggest story.
1: Well, I I mean, I was kind of surprised. You know, I know that um, after Nationals, we had a lot of new cyclocross fans who knew the history of the sport and they knew, you know, they really were well versed in like the blocker charge aspects of cyclocross (laughs) and what was allowed. So, you know, I watched the race and I log into Twitter and I thought for sure, because I mean, this was like there was a lot of aggro shit going on. We almost had we almost had a tail. um, Bacher almost got tail whipped out of this race. And it was crickets. I didn't see anything. I was kind of disappointed, you know, because uh, we had gained so many new experts in cyclocross the week before.
0: I I, I will say going back to my – not to, to go back to my off-camera video too much, but there is a comment on there saying that Cody Kaiser uh, should have been disqualified for throwing his bike into the riders behind him. <laughs> and I was like, wow, all right. Well, at least there's one other dumbass comment out there. I mean, so
1: Michael,
2: what are your thoughts? Okay, what are, what are your thoughts, Michael, as a as a crit guy? I mean, so you know, here's here. So typical turning, you go tape, you go apex inside. Sorry, no outside apex outside. Right, that's how you turn the corner. It's a kind of a fast, wide corner, but it's snowy, so that kind of changes how you approach it. You kind of have to be a little more gentle. Mountain's um, on the outside; they're turning left. Uh, Sylvia. Is on the inside and tries to shoot the inside of Manon and doesn't quite make it. And Manon just turns right into her. And I feel like that's all on Sylvia. I feel like Manon gets away. She uh, she was she was sort of gonna make that turn. You know she's going wide and coming in. Sylvia, you know, if they weren't on snow, maybe she stays upright and it's a bump and they both go through. But because of the conditions, you've kind of got to change your strategy. And I mean.
0: If you look at the race holistically, I think you can say yeah. that Persico, handling wise, was not doing a great job. If anything, no, got not at turning. all. This
2: I was, I was like, okay, hang on a second. She's kicking butt. I'm like, but can't turn worth a darn. And I'm like, you know, she got third at Worlds. I had to, I was like, oh yeah, Persico got third at Worlds in Fayetteville. Like, she is super strong. Oh, but she's not, you know. She's not done technically good. Um, Fayeville not being a super technical course, it makes sense. And I was thinking, you know, she also is a really good road rider. So it made sense to how she's a go- So she could be so far up in the field at Val de Soleil. But,
0: yeah, I think. Oh, I mean, Magli Rochette could right, tell you about exactly. her top end. Yeah,
2: yeah She can, she can spread. That is a good story, too.
0: Well, I think –
1: but I mean, she was actually racing pretty well early on. I It seems like she did probably get kind of flustered by the chain drops. I mean, she had – the chain drops just started, like, stacking up and led to crashes, and I'm sure – right? Because it's the kind of course where there's speed limits on literally every inch of that course, and so when things start to go sideways, it becomes a little bit tougher to – or much tougher – uh to start to make up space and, and stuff. So I mean I don't know. I mean well she was in second still and then I mean she had a pretty good amount of a pretty good gap on, too until like right until the crashes started just like piling up the yeah. chain drop. I mean I just wanted
2: to let her know she's on she's on Shimano, just so just put
1: I mean yeah. I was ho- I was waiting for that. I mean it, it seemed pretty in- inevitable that it was that she was on Shimano running a double.
0: <laughs> what do you all think about the uh that one that one quick, uh, power climb that what's your, how do you, how do you successfully? Cause that, that seemed like the downfall of, of many in the women's field. Yeah. Where they it's needed one more pedal stroke to get to the top and a lot didn't make it. How do you, who, who do you think had the, had the key for successfully maneuvering through that?
1: Well, was that the one that, that Puck actually ran in lap one, while others... That's the
0: key. That's that's kind of what I was getting, because you had, like, Alvarado was up and went backwards, and I think she kind of was out of contention there. I think, um, you know, we saw, I mean, Persico did the the same thing. You really, you you look throughout the field, and that was, like, really, really tricky section that, that I think if you, it was one of those things you couldn't. You, you had to decide early what you were going to do, or have the. ability to I think that's the plan.
2: You, you run it in the in the traffic, and then you ride it when you're alone. And and I think that this is like a feature that we look at. Puck Puck is something that she can ride, and Alvarado, unfortunately, you know, got Alvarado flipped over her bars going uphill. So that's like a pretty
0: cool thing to do, anyway. Like shout out <laughs> primetime. I. I I, I want to say also, this was not, this was not, you know, we're just talking about the women's race here. This was not just in the women's race. Niels Vandeput was like doing a whole Flintstones routine through that, that section, trying to hold on to his podium yeah. spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, it almost kind of reminded me of the, uh, the famed, uh, that famed Hill or the a little run up right up at Tabor the year that it was in the shadow, yeah. like that, that disastrous mm-hmm. thing. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I found it interesting cause like, you know, Puck is obviously the most technically gifted rider in that field and she showed that. But you know, she ran it and was successful lap 1 and then was ri- riding it after and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of interesting that she didn't ride it." But it seems like the play too. Was it Alvarado who was kind of using the fencing? I mean, she kind of had had that dialed, but the the worst play was to just try to go right up because um there was really nothing there. Although it seemed like in the men's race there had been a little ledge at the top. I don't know if maybe
2: someone graciously chiseled that in it was like two tiers it was like up and then flat and then up again so you had to maintain momentum like you couldn't just get to that first like plateau yeah but like right at the top of the second one there
1: was like a a little platform formed because that it seemed like i I don't know that some riders were like getting almost up and then kind of like putting their foot down and getting up on that i don't know
0: i guess we should talk about the uh the femme in the room. So we didn't see it. We didn't. We didn't get to see. Did she? Did anybody sort of expound on what actually happened? No,
2: I to, I, I missed it. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think she. Did she go down in the same spot that Ellie did? It's hard to tell. I, I wrote that I wrote that yeah <laughs> I wrote that note down, but I don't know if that was the same spot. Um, yeah, she went down, and that she crashed in. This is, I mean, this whole, this is why I started thinking about the safety is like all the riders are talking about how different was the pre-ride and then on Saturday, on Friday, on Friday, and then on Saturday, they're racing. And then like, everybody's like going during pre-ride, they're crashing. Magalie's on the the live stream, like, oh yeah, I crashed like three times really hard. And like the most cheery Magalie way you can say that. And I was like, oh, this is kind of scary. And you hear Femme goes down and then she crashes and you know, it's pretty scary because She's down for a bit, and they're, they're pulling the, crew, the medical crew out there. She's getting taken off on a stretcher board, and, you know, she is the top talent, uh, sort of a rider. We've really enjoyed watching racing, and I don't know. I guess I was reading on Wiley Fleets. She's relatively okay, nothing broken, um, a lot of fluid uh, on both knees. Uh, yes, yes, possibly concussed, not sure, and... um, so that's that's scary. Like I was just just a aside. I was listening to a wide angle podium show, Grodio, with uh, Rebecca and Amanda, and just talking again about the the concussions and sort of the proper amount of rest. And I was just thinking, I really hope that Fem and her team like take the time. Like like there's no no rush to come back. Please take your time.
0: And that's that's a great place to if y'all haven't listened to that interview uh, or that actually conversation with Amanda. and and becca and we all know about becca hitting her head in uh roanoke and really ending her season but she says look this was my second concussion and the first one i didn't really take it seriously or or know that it happened and it was in europe and was just up in racing right away and that's the one that really did her in because she wasn't fully healed by the time she got to that second one and i think even even with all of this you know new information and education and protocols and procedures and all that. It's still like, it's really hard. And it's really hard as an athlete. If you have nobody there, who's basically taking your bike away from you, it's, it's you're like, well, the rest of me's fine. I can go ride. I just have a little headache, you know, or whatever. And they, uh, most people just go and push on, you know, we've, we've seen awful instances of it in road racing where they're put back on their bike and pushed ahead and, you know, have like know does severe tbi so um yeah i i'm in the same way we're not medical professionals but it looked just her bringing that up is it just seems to is cause for alarm i think
2: yeah i mean she and also like you know she's leading the world cup i mean she's doing a great season like she still can you know miss a race miss two you know puck is Puck is 70, uh, 60, sorry, 65 points away. The most Puck could get is 40th for winning, you know. So, like, she's got space. I don't know. Like, obviously, she can do what's best for her, but just, like, there is, she can still sit out even two rounds and come back stronger. And if she's, you know, her head's all right, she's not concussed, and finish out strong and win it all, overall. What a wild
0: world where Fem and Puck still have each have a jersey. There's no way for they're the same age. There's no way for Femme to get both jerseys, but Puck could <laughs> consolidate the jerseys if she if she goes ahead of of Fem in points. Right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Fem could lose That's it right. and have nothing.
0: So, I, anything else notable? I mean, I, I briefly met, well, we talked about Persico. I think, and in, and in, in just talking about Persico, and I know she did well in, in Fayetteville too, but. And we'll see it also in the men's race. You know, one of the reasons we do love this racing is it gives these other riders the opportunity. One, it's in Italy, so she doesn't have to travel to Belgium to go race. And, and it's also different skill sets. And I think that we we get to see that and it's super cool. It was, I think it was perfect opportunity for Magli to, to jump in there and, and pull off a, a really great result. We saw somebody like uh, uh uh, Manna Backer, who you talked about before, who I think these kinds of really difficult and hard and power State, um, conditions, uh, yeah, uh, really really played to her strength. And this was, you know, a super emotional at the end. I mean, this was huge for her. This is her best result ever in in cyclocross, making it um, onto this. I don't know, is that true? She was super emotional about being on this World Cup podium. So I, I don't know if if she's best
2: World Cup finish.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, when when your statement is a fifth place finish, I mean, I'm sure that you know that that you'll be <laughs> at euros, man, at euros. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought she raced a really consistent race. I mean, I think that she played it really solid and consistent. Hang on, hang on, she got third at Overisa. Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, in those. It, in those conditions it like behooves you to like not panic and not try to do too much i think when you're chasing there's a tendency to want to do too much and that course was just super unforgiving like there were a handful of maybe power sections where you could try to make up some space but the most important thing was like really the most important thing is as my dad once told me he's like stay on your bike like that was his that's his advice every time i raced he's just like stay on your bike You'll do okay. You'll do okay because I I crash a lot. Um, You know, so she did really well and um, she was set up well uh, once she took the lead, you know, uh, to be in the lead and uh, uh, played it right, going into that final corner, having, being able to pick her line and not having to gamble on an inside line on an icy corner. Um, So she raced really well. And Alvarado raced really well too. I mean, you know, we've talked about her and kind of in the, um, yeah, you know, the 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 J V races, right? And the super prestige and stuff, and she's had some success there. But, you know, I think it was a good result for her, obviously finishing second, you know, behind Puck and who knows what would happen with with Femme uh had she stayed in the race, you know, because Alvarado was up there at the beginning and got off to a good start. So yeah, like you guys said, good good to see. And then obviously Mags had a great result, um, and almost got back in it to like potentially compete for the podium, which was which was great to see uh as well.
2: Yeah, a few other results I want to notice. Uh, Sydney McGill, ninth, great top 10 for Sydney. Um, Taylor Cook-White, 19th, top 20. You know, we ha- she had the injury in the beginning of the season and sort of decided to start her European campaign uh, a little bit earlier, Miss Nationals. So good to see her over there racing for nice bikes. Also, Caitlin Bernstein, who is, I think, the only... Person who raced nationals and then went to Val de in 24th. So, yeah, shout out to those folks.
1: Yeah. Well, I would expect it from, right? Sydney McGill with just with her bike handling. I think we're seeing more and more just like how good she is and how that mountain bike history is translated to to cyclocross and this is a perfect course where there are those speed limits and there's really a premium on on bike handling and you know she's one of those riders that if she can start to get the engine to match her her skills i think that we're going to be hearing a lot from her uh as she continues to grow into the elite field because i mean she just is so good especially in in bad conditions with her bike handling ability
0: yeah uh Interestingly with you know talking about the safety of the course and everything FEM, the only only DM, DNF on the day. I noticed that too. I was kind of surprised like cuz it was like they were talking about
1: it and I was looking at the scroll I'm like how are there not more DNFs? Like this course just has
2: DNF written all over it. Yeah, 14 who got pulled. You know, Blanca Voss 21st. I don't I don't know what's go, I, what's going on there. Nothing, no updates on her Instagram. Just really curious, uh, 14th in Antwerp. She had a fourth in Boehm, but yeah, not quite the season.
0: Should we move on over to the men's race? Where to, where to even start? You know, we, we saw Canadians doing well in the women's race. I guess Swiss doing well in the men's race?
2: Yeah, Kevin Coon. Kevin, Kevin. Well, you know why like Kevin Kuhn was doing so well? He's on the Ice Cube bike.
1: Uh, you were talking earlier. You were talking earlier about Vanderpool and being afraid in the conditions. And um, I mean, I think it was evident from the beginning, right? Like he didn't move up the way he did. He didn't like pull that move like he did at Hulst, where he passed an entire row, you know, in one corner. And I guess to me, that it was just kind of clear from the beginning. Like he just wasn't moving up. He was an eighth, and just kind of hanging out there. And I guess. Uh, it's interesting to hear that. That's what he said. Because I'm just like, wow. He probably made the calculation. Like, hey, I showed up, and I don't want to kill myself. I've had some issues, you know. Last year, he had issues and whatever. Did, like, did he? want to hurt myself.
0: Did he actually say it? Because this I was all coming through A- Audrey. So, not okay. that not that yeah. it matters. That messaging yeah. was out there, but it was just interesting that we didn't hear it
1: from Matthew. Okay. Yeah. To me, I guess hearing that narration in real time. That's just what I'm. I was assuming Vanderpool's just like not worth it man it's not worth it i saw what happened to fem van emple ailey went down it's just not worth it like i'm not going to do my thing i'm here though you know maybe i drew the short end of the straw and had to show up um yeah just kind of interesting that he just really didn't make uh any moves towards the front but at the same time he let his teammate do his thing which was awesome so maybe that was part of the calculation as well like teammate up the road great like let him let him go for this because he's turning in a, a career defining ride right now
2: Yeah, it's also interesting who was, I don't know who was talking about, you know, once again, Sven, you know, or someone else, Michael White, someone saying, you know, too many World Cups, right? And then so they don't mean anything to some of these riders like Vanderpool. Like this is a race where he decides it's dangerous. He just lets off the gas and he's not a participant really in that race, right? And that sort of is the nature of this. It's part of the nature of this many World Cups that like, doesn't matter to him like he's not in any contention at all and so if he doesn't feel safe he could just let off and that, that's sort of it I'm sure that you know race promoters would have loved to have him you know vying for the win at their event but that's just it didn't happen so here's my
1: question about that like we know that there's no start money at World Cups but do you think that there's like under the table start money I mean you're Dublin you're Val de Soleil right These are races that maybe might not go to a race that Vanderpool might not go to i'm just saying i, I just kind of wonder if there's some like you know at least some like free lodging or something like
2: yeah they gave puck a ski there ski you go ticket, there you go <laughs> ticket for the next day she
1: went snowboarding all day i guess that answers my question uh they got uh, uh maybe Vanderpool went went snowboarding
0: too they got him lift tickets yeah you know there may be sponsorship bonuses in there and that other kind of stuff that just happens it's incentives for them to go to these races maybe he was doing a preview for the mountain bike race you know getting an early look at uh, what <laughs> even though it's not the same same venue uh but yeah it's interesting so but Alfacen de Sunik, uh, uh how how do you say it yeah did well um de, Koynik, de Koynik. thank you de uh yeah you know won the women's race second in the men's, men's race with Niels uh, Van der um You know, not to go on a little tangent here, but um, uh, absent from this event last year, completely absent from this event, was, uh, you know, you talked a little bit about Sven and saying how there were too many World Cups, and one of the things that I think was sending a message to... Uh, Flanders Classics and the UCI that there were too many World Cups is that they didn't send anybody to this race last year. And I I couldn't find it. Somebody needs to do this research for me. I was pretty sure that there was a rule put in place either by in the World Cup itself, or I couldn't find it in the UCI, but I was pretty sure that if you were a professional cyclocross team, you had to be at all of the World Cup events, or at least that's, there was, there was some policy that they were trying to get people to go to their teams to at least have some riders at every event and in this event it it looked like uh Pim ronar uh drew the short straw for <laughs> the lions and they were like fine fine you say we have to have somebody at every race we'll send one guy and he was the guy on the women's on the mensa too who else is there uh t-serts t also there okay so arts and um, uh, Pim got to keep each other uh, company. Uh, we were we were uh, joking before. This is this is similar to we always have this theory about the uh, you know I guess it's a C one now, but it used to be the C two at Waterloo where all of the lions are there. It's their their basically their American home race. Yet not everybody would race the Friday race, and in years past, the you know the, the competition wasn't that good so they always like threw like one or two guys out there okay b team you have to go uh, race the race the friday waterloo race so this 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 sort of struck me as similar to that like okay it's uh you know it's it's rookie rookie um hazing we who, who are we sending to italy who's going to carry the luggage
2: well interesting enough uh vanderpuda like first elite win was the c2 at jingle cross day two so he was sort of one of those B squad guys, you know, who sort of like, who, who what, what was the anonymous Belgium guy, you know, and uh, just an, a generic, just yeah. another, had, had another a, generic Belgian.
0: AGB, yes. AGB. A-G-B. Uh, Vanda, yeah. Vanda put a yeah.
1: one on the board, if I recall correctly.
0: Yeah, and and uh, uh, you know we should we should also mention we'll get to some more of the inside of the racing, but just we we're talking about the uh, the Swiss riders doing well in the snow. Kevin Kuhn, who we haven't really heard much from, uh, having just a uh, outstanding race, uh, finishing in third, and then the uh, the the Swiss Tim Rugg in um, in fifth place. So good uh, finish for him as well. Haven't heard much from did did uh because i know timon
1: Rue came over um was kevin coon also on that little swiss jaunt in 2019 for rochester and i, mean, I guess i could look this up but i remember timon rugue because i remember he came over and it was kind of like it was kind of cool like him and uh you know they, they were in a trailer <laughs> you know they were getting the full american privateer experience yes. like renting a trailer or whatever Rue did uh, come it was super fun oh yeah. so coon was there too
2: yeah, Coon Kuhn, Kuhn was there. He did Rochester. Yeah, Iowa City uh track. Yeah, yeah so I've it's that. you
1: know, guys that I've had my eye on since getting to see them race there, and it's cool to it was cool to see them finally, you know, turning in the, these great rides. Like both of them just had like these really impressive rides, and Kevin Kuhn was just up there in the mix.
0: And, and speaking speaking of a Rochester re- reunion, Vinny's back. Good, good return. Good return great. for uh Vincent Boston's finishing uh sixth in that race. So uh you know he's been Been looking for a a good result here, and uh, I think this was his best in a
1: while. Well, he was on that Vanderpool train; like he was just riding that. He was riding that train all the way as far as it would get him. I mean, he was on his wheel. Like every time, again though, really no hero cam for Vanderpool. Like you know, but every time when he'd come through the start finish, you'd just see Vinny just kind of like sitting on his wheel and kind of kind of hanging in there. So smart play, you know. Uh, What better wheel to follow than a, uh, a tempo riding Matthew
0: Vanderpool? I wonder if they did not, if it was not like the Belgian producer, because you know it's not the camera crew down there. So I wonder if you get outside of of you know Flanders, if if you're getting if you're getting Vanderpool Hero Cam. Well, and they were doing some. They were doing some of that nice like
1: build work. Uh, they were you know snow in the foreground, like you know doing the zoom right as the rider comes so I maybe they were watching your reels bill and like you know some of that inspired uh, making use kind of like that race at um the one at Nova mesto when they were doing all the kinds of the creative stuff for the mountain biking it felt like the the local crew was taking advantage of their opportunity, showing their their chops
0: I I, I do think you're right like having the nova mesto you get like you look at that for the mountain biking if you' if you're there in person and, and all of their uh, camera setups are from movies like they have dollies with like like the train track things that they're rolling back and forth like it's a movie set so yeah very cinematic i think the the italians may have had the same uh i think you might be onto something there or maybe they're just the ucis thinking hey there's money in reels so they're really just looking to to grab those 20 seconds the best i can (laughs) get that good i mean yeah they're
2: making the i mean they're putting out the reels there i mean the uci Kudos to them, World Cup, their they're social media, they're, they're hopping on, they're getting the good songs, they're going on TikTok, they're like, what's the trending audio? And I'm like, damn, that was a good choice, like UCI. Like, uh, You know, I will say, I think in Dublin, we kind of watched a little bit of Dublin. I'm pretty sure there was a lot of uh, Irish hero cam shots, uh, at least to the start-finish rate. So I, I bet it, yeah, it's a country thing, you know. Who cares about Vanderpool in ninth? Michael Van
0: Tornout, having a, having a quiet season. Doing okay. What's he, uh, takes the win in this one? What is the World Cup standings looking like? Uh, yeah, he's right there. So, Sweck with fourth place in this one keeps the jersey, but Van Tornout now in second place. Uh, what is that like? Uh, uh 288 to 265. 23. Yeah, 23 points off. 23 so, that's points. just, you know, that's just a couple places ahead of Sweck, and he can take that lead. And both of them now ahead of Easerbeat. Easerbeat's fallen down to third. Usually, Zach, we're looking at Easerbeat making this fall once uh, you know Vanderpol and uh, and Wout and everyone come back to it. But um, it really hasn't been the result of those guys necessarily. I mean, I know Wout won in Dublin, but it's just uh, seasons. You you were on this. I think you may have said it before. Is his season falling apart? earlier than usual or is this like right on schedule
1: well i was saying maybe he was lulling early to come back strong but it really sounds like you
0: know there's been reports of him dealing with injuries yeah i I don't want to make light of it it seems like he's hurt and especially making light of it after this this race where again he's one of the reasons we're talking about um this being a dangerous course
1: yeah he's just not not the same right like you're right like typically he's winning the world cup by a substantial margin i mean we still do have that interesting part. So as upset we as maybe we are that we don't get to see the full, you know, experience of having the Van Turnout and Swack uh racing against one another, we do get to see them racing in the World Cup. And so that'll be an interesting battle and something to keep an eye on as you know, Vanderpool and Wout and Pitcock are kind of like doing their thing. So um yeah, like great race for Van Turnout. I mean he's having just a great season. It just it just seems like the disillusion the the, the release of Sweck again has just changed for everyone. I mean Ailey for the worse. Maybe maybe somehow Ailey benefited from having Sweck being upset and right. providing drama, but like Sweck is just riding out of his mind. Like Van Turnout is finally getting his chance to shine and he's showing that he can win in a variety of conditions. Snow, I'll win there. Namur, I'll win there. And it's it's been great to see. But it's just it it kind of makes you wonder what could have been for those last like three years of the sauce dramedy.
0: Well, it's also interesting in that we looked at that and we would joke last year in the last couple seasons, like, oh well, you know, this I guess I guess Lawrence is gonna show up to work today. You know, he's he's not he's not he's not taking this one off. He is in the the lead of the World Cup right now, purely on consistency. I mean, him and Van tornout both have two wins. Right. It's just that Sweck in the races he's not winning has has been more consistent and is just piling piling up those points, piling up those you know no worse than wide angle podium points for the season, and that's that's what has the jersey for him. I'm glad you said that, Bill, because I was looking at
2: this before the uh, we started recording, and I was like. Huh, so town's pretty close to Sweek. You know, what's what's the head-to-head? Um, it's close. So my question to you guys is, who do you think has a better WAP? Vanternout
0: or Sweek? From an argument I just made, I'm going to go with Sweek. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. OPP or WAP?
1: No, WAP. I mean, I, 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 I would have to guess Sweek as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, but it's it's only by one. I mean, they, yeah, I don't know the percentage, but it's like 100% to 98%. I should have done on podium percentage, but um, yeah, I just think it's, yeah, it's it's interesting to to see that, yeah, the consistency of this week. Um, also, Van Ternout pulling out wins at big races, like Val de Soleil, crazy conditions, like so bad it scares Van Uh He's winning at Over Icy. He's also winning at Namur. So just kind of looking at, over icy huh uh just the just like the winds he's picking he's picking up solid winds like I made that joke earlier this year like put some respect on his name like once again like he's coming through like Mikey V you know they try to call him the iceman I, I don't know I was kind of feeling more like the snowman I mean if if Sweck is the sandman I feel like vanter now is this is the
0: snowman who's the Falcon I I got both y'all on that. Go go go! Check out your movie histories from the last last forty years.
2: Wow, it's wow!
0: It's the PIM. Pim? Wow, it's doing the (laughs) Birdman.
2: Well, that's what Wow does. Uh, Building off what both of
1: you guys said about Sweck, though, I think you know back when we did the Is Lauren Sweck Elite. You know, really the the nut of the story that I wrote was like for every time that we thought he was elite, he would just have like a really mediocre, disappointing performance. So it's just to me, it's really interesting that because probably he was just cashing paychecks and showing up to work, he's just like, Meh, not gonna do it, not feeling it today. It seems like he's racing for more. And, you know, when we're talking about the most consistent rider, we're talking about a guy who was just all over the place. Like he'd show up and get his two wins or his three wins, and then there'd be races where He'd have a bad start and he'd just be like, yeah, I'm just going to finish ninth. You know, I'm going to ride around in the equivalent of the Sonic Pony Camp. So interesting to see. Again, you love to see it, the consistency uh, from Lauren Swack and that it bears out too when you look at the uh, Shibar metrics. They're
2: tied. They're tied in OPP. Oh, no. Sorry. I don't know. Close. almost. They're almost tied in the OPP.
0: So anything else action-wise we want to talk about in, in this race? I think people have had the opportunity to watch it. Was there anything really worth noting that stuck out for you all? Vermeer
2: was back.
1: I did note that. I, <laughs> we did a Nowhere Fast last night, and uh the, apparently there's like a reality show for like the zwift academy and uh i'm sure that he was kind of disappointed that he had to show up at this race because they were in spain you know during the zwift academy him and uh you got to make a little cameo and give some motivational advice to the aspiring uh zwift racers there so probably a little disappointed he's probably longing for being back in spain um but you know cool to see johnny to your point earlier, Mike, I was just looking down the results sheet and it seems like we had a lot of just like generic Belgian dudes, you know, showing up and, and racing in this race. So, um, but then some other Marshall Meissen was there, other names that we haven't heard in a while, but, um, yeah.
0: Here, here's a question. If we're done talking about this racing, here's something that I've just been thinking about for a while. And it, it sort of, uh, uh plays into kind of a, the setup of, I, I think it comes off of the conversation we were having earlier about if it was confusing to have uh, Petersa and Fem in the same race wearing the same jersey, even though they're racing in different categories in the different race. And I don't know if I brought it up then, but I've been thinking a lot more about this. And this may go into, like, if I do another, like, three things, three out of the box ideas that people are going to hate. Uh, here, here would be the top of the list for me for this one get rid of the U23 category just just get rid of it it's 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 no longer necessary at the top level of the sport uh, you, you can look at it on the women's side and now even on the men's side the the U23 racers are doing fine i think if you're in the top half of that race you're competing and that's fine and i don't i don't know what the development advantages are of having your own race or even having your race within a race at this point. So that's, that's my, that would make even, even to the point, And this is like going to be the one that people are going to hate. Even if you did that at worlds, uh, you just got rid of u 23s at worlds. Then you could have a, go back to just the four races a weekend where it was much easier to, to cover. It was also not like stuffed in people, you know, didn't have to, spend the whole day there junior race in the morning elite race in the afternoon or however you want to do it and just juniors and elites and that's it and the u 23s can just go up and uh, race with the elites
1: i mean that's a that's a fair point because we've seen you know obviously on the women's side but even on the men's we saw where pidcock leveled up to the elites it's like it's like almost a consolation race right like there's this talk of you know is puck gonna race the u23 race when fem is gonna race the elites and it's like i mean at that point it's just like is okay what does what does that mean um so it just seems like that riders are maturing quicker um you know and are able to 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 perform at that level
0: yeah junior is u19 by the time you're you know 19 and up i think as a professional athlete we've seen it across i just think that that, that at that level and i know i know there are counter arguments to it and i'll get shot down for this but i think at this level what we're looking at they're the, the the racers are developed enough to compete at the highest level in cyclocross. We're seeing it on the world road too. I mean, when I brought this up, I think off Mike, the first um, thing that Michael said was, "Well, it's just like the Tour de France and the white. You know, it's giving. It's the leaders giving the the white jersey back and forth to each other when they they get out of the yellow jersey, which right. is like the same thing. It's kind of it's kind of silly at this point.
2: I think that, and I'll I'll just. I agree with you on the road. The tour, I mean, it's a shame you have the the people who win the Tour de France are their your U twenty three Um, But like, I guess I am just thinking like counter argument. Matthew Vanderpool, w- uh, wow, they race up as you know under 23s and that leaves a spot for Ellie to develop and race, and then he comes through later on. I don't know. Like, did he did he benefit from that when those U twenty three races battling with Pitcock? um you know the if you see femme fem goes up maybe puck goes up too then
0: you've got yeah i don't but know that's, it is the it, thing in cyclocross it, is, it's, is it's just i, I think it, this was born out of it's not a perfect argument because of the men's side because a lot of the times the men still will get their own u23 race and there's a lot more of them so that that sort of muddies thing it's just ridiculous that the women are all racing together and then you're trying to sort of parse them out after the fact and we are in this generation and we've seen the generation before this with alvarado with worst with these riders before this where it is these this younger generation that was all at the top so it's just silly that they're you know not and it, it the elites but they're the U23s it's just and then you're throwing them all in the same race it just makes absolutely no sense so I, I think maybe even like still have it at worlds but on the world cup level um it would it would make the day much easier if you just had juniors and you put junior women in there and allow them to race which is i think the situation that we're going to have starting next year and then you have an elite race and then that that would i think be more equitable. So Bill doesn't hate juniors. I, no, I still hate juniors. Come on.
1: <laughs> I just, I d- didn't, the, I feel like the ones that you came up with last year, we were like, this is the most reasonable proposition, Bill. Like I just, I, I think we've hated them less and less as, as you come up with these. So I think but this one, I think this one there. will get some, I think this okay. one will get some
0: hate because it's taking away, um, development opportunities. And I think that's that, that's, but, I, but I also think, you know, and if you looked at it, okay, let's say you looked at it for the U.S. world's selection, right? Then you are having your U23 riders compete against your elite riders for places. And I think what would happen is a lot of elite riders uh, who are not U23 would be left at home. Feedback at CXHairs.com
1: so we've got a bunch of races coming up soon. Like this, this curse period is definitely, definitely something. I feel like after last year, when Degum got canceled, it was a little bit more chill. Um, But we've got like just a crazy amount of races and Vanderpool and while are planning it being at a good chunk of them, you know, starting with mall on the 23rd, which I think is Friday. Uh, So we get a little pre pre Christmas, no number this year, obviously, because it was at Euros, but um Michael, don't we we just have like races just like every day almost?
2: Yes, Havra 26. Zolder 27, Degum 28th, Lowenhout the 30th, then we got GP Seven on New Year's Day, then you've got Herentals on the third, Cokesaida on the fifth, are we counting Hulahem on the seventh, Zonhoven on the eighth? I mean that's a lot of racing.
1: Curse period is back. And it's, it's the, like two weeks long now. It's, a, it's the extended curse
0: period. <laughs> Here's my cursed period question for you. Will Tone Arts race during the cursed period?
1: That's that's not fair because you you know that we're recording this and supposedly the news is coming out like tomorrow
0: (laughs) so if you haven't i don't know i guess it all depends on how fast i can edit it or how slow the uci is i'm betting on the uci dragging their feet and i'll have an extra day to get this out and if you listen to right away but this is all to say that the news uh just came out that the tone arts of the uci finally after a year and a half how long a year how long have we been here uh, will have a decision on the not suspended tone arts, but the, the voluntary stepping away from race. I still, I still don't even know what happened with that case, but they're going to have a decision.
1: I'm just going to say, has he transferred teams yet, though? Because I think the decision has to happen, and then he's got to get like his new bikes and stuff. Because we think he's going to Torment's. At well, the beginning
0: of the new year, right, right? So that'll be, but it'll still be the curse period. Will it? Will the curse period? Curse period after New Year's? Y- you've been doing this longer. Like, what is the official <laughs> curse period? I, I think like, so. I think it's goes through bail, but <laughs> I don't know. through ball. But I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. So maybe that'll determine it. <laughs> maybe Trek let him out early. You know. Well, that was my question. Wondering, like, like
2: they let him go. When did that contract end? I mean, I don't. I don't think I'm following. I feel like I'm following him on social media, but I don't know that I've seen any posts from him.
0: Um, I think it's I think his, his, his contract expires uh, at the end of this year. Okay. I'm going to just say that GB
2: Sven Nyes is on Sunday. So I guess you could end curse period there, but I feel like there's races during the midweek after that. So if he
0: gets if it, if he gets cleared, is it sort of like a um you know going back going back to your team to retire? Do they let him like do his final uh I mean he's not retiring, but will they will they let him come back and race the Sven Ness as a Trek Baoaz uh rider?
1: I highly doubt it. It really sounded <laughs> like they were done.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah
2: I was to say like, I feel like the attitude there was yeah. Brush the hands and, and move. I mean, on.
1: maybe it like maybe um, if it this had happened like after eight more years with the uh, Balaza Trek Lions that like he had that legacy or whatever. Um, but man, I I don't know, it just sounds like that they had kind of mutually agreed to part ways and that they'll they'll smile and wave at each other at the races, but that he's definitely kind of moving on from uh from where he
2: was. But that, that's the great thing about that race, right, is everybody shows up with a new kit. So, like, if, if, if Toon comes back um, at G.P. Sven Nye's in the new Torment's kit, that would be a hell of a Christmas gift to a lot of the Cyclocross fans.
0: And that's to say, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe that they're going to find out, you know, that they're going with their initial... Fi- Again, we don't even know what the initial finding was. Like, if you doped, you shouldn't be in the sport. I'm all for that. We just don't... I mean, there was the the positive result, but it wasn't for something that was. Ba- I I didn't I I don't understand. I am done trying to understand any of these these decisions. We have the same thing on the mountain bike, bike side. I think Zach, you and I were going through. and We couldn't find anything other than these Spanish language articles saying that Mateus Flockiger may have his case overturned and he'll be back racing, but we don't know. So I, w- I the 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 whole. Um, doping world and how it is prosecuted i I am just at a at a complete loss at this point throwing up my hands and on that note (laughs) anything else any comments out there we need to answer zach what do you got well i'll make a plug maybe we need the uh you
1: know to to hype a fellow wide angle podium podcast Uh, the most recent episode of Nowhere Fast. We did an emergency podcast because Zwift dropped the hammer hard. Dr. Zada came down hard on a guy who cheated uh, in one of the Zwift world qualifiers and they a very swift ruling they did their investigation they found it they issued a lengthy uh list of findings on the uh on the thing and then they gave him a six-month ban so keeping with the spirit of like not really kicking this guy out for very long and letting him you know continue to be back racing swift but they acted with some swiftness and with some transparency and they dropped the hammer on him so quickly we were like we've got to record an episode so um kind of interesting always fun to hear uh kevin and mike talk about uh cheating in swift if if you want to go check that out over at uh, nowhere fast
0: michael were you disappointed or proud of zach that he used the word swift twice in that description and didn't say swift did i say swift yeah you were like they handled it swiftly and they and there was another one and i was like he's gonna do it and you never you never did and i, I think wow. I'm that was
2: about Good my job. head i missed it yeah that's zach you let me down Thanks for letting me know, Bill. No, no, I'm, I'm
0: on the I'm I'm on the other side. I think it was it was great. Just internal control, not to go for the low hanging fruit. You got to go for the low hanging fruit. It's ripe. We'll see you next time. the Grodio podcast.